0: hello everybody welcome back to another episode of the man with the plan podcast my name is grace Mann. wherever you're listening or whoever's listening i want to thank you for tuning in i apologize for the get up i just got back from durham north carolina following last night's unbelievable result with clemson and duke We'll get into that in just a second. But guys, for that, I want to tell you all about our Eric McLean interview that posted live on Monday when you're seeing this episode. It'll be Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. And so I'm excited for that interview to drop. We talk about a lot of relevant things. Uh, There's some context to what we thought about Clemson Duke, which I think both of us were probably wrong, but I think it's still an episode worth tuning in to get. An insight on his journey. I apologize if I look exhausted. I have been up all night, but I had so much I wanted to talk about and so much I wanted to say. Especially with this weekend, we're gonna talk about Clemson Duke. I want to get in on the Colorado discussion with Deion Sanders, and I wanna talk about Florida State and LSU. Real quick, I think I think that'll merge with my Clemson stuff, but there's so many moving parts with college football. The NFL starts in two days. I'm so, so excited to get all into it. Subscribe if you haven't already. Our goal is to get 26,000 listeners, hopefully pretty soon. So I'm just excited all about that. So let's get straight into Monday night. And so, man, where do you begin with a night like Mondays? So I think my thought process, and in talking to friends, family, and colleagues, it was... Don't underestimate this Duke football team. This is a Duke football team that won nine games last year under Mike Elko, the first-year head coach at the time, now second year, and he's got a pretty darn good quarterback with him with Riley Leonard. We had a preview series previewing all of Clemson's opponents, and our first episode was Duke. And he told me, Connor, we had a great conversation with Connor O'Neill, and I unfortunately didn't get to see him last night, but I'm sure he was well aware of the Clemson presence But um, last night, man, it's almost, and as Dabo puts it, one of the strangest games that he's ever been a part of. And I think that is probably the most underrated statement of the entire night. So Clemson fell to Duke 28-7 in their first game of the season. Clemson goes into 2023 with a new coordinator in Garrett Riley, new starting quarterback in Kate Klubnick. There's a lot of positive attention being pulled to this Clemson program, and rightfully so. You think in the offseason, after getting rid of Brandon Streeter, that DJ Uyungle experiment wasn't what they wanted it to be. They get rid of all this negative energy, and there's a lot of confidence. I've said many times on this podcast, I've talked to players, I've talked to coaches. There was nothing but confidence. This team oozed it, and it felt like Monday night. All that talk was said, but they could not walk the walk. And we'll just go, I I don't know how to format this. There's a lot of thoughts flying around, but I think I want to start with just some basic stats. On paper, Clemson outgained Duke 422 to 374. They threw for 200 yards and they ran for 200 yards. When Clemson's done that, I believe they were 180 and 0. So this game is certainly an outlier, but on paper, it looks, hey, if you showed me those first three stats, you'd think, okay, Clemson probably won that football game. But as you delve further into it, And you see, okay, what else is the penalties? Duke had seven penalties. Clemson had one. That one penalty ended up costing them. Last night, I chalked it up and I wrote this in my story that I think Clemson, the routine things that we expected this team to do to be able to compete for a national championship, be able to compete for the playoffs, they weren't able to do. What were some of these routine things? Well, they're in the red zone. They were one of five. They had two missed field goals, one of those was blocked. I think the perfect example of what went wrong last night was in the third quarter. They just got a huge 30 and out Uh, Duke and Riley Leonard. They come out of the gate. It's seven to 13. They just picked up this huge touchdown right out of the gates at halftime, but Clemson, they failed to get anything going on offense, but their defense kept them in. And I had my gripes about the performance of the defense last night, but I thought overall they played very well as a unit. I was very impressed with TJ Parker and Peter Woods when they came in good things really happen. I think it's going to be a very tough challenge for this coaching staff to keep those two players off the field as the season progresses, regardless of how this rest of the year, the rest of this year progresses. But I believe I, I can look at the drive notes, but there's about 12 minutes left in the third quarter and Clemson goes on this long drive and they get all the way to the one yard line. You think, okay, this offense has been a little jittery. They've been a little unsure of themselves. They haven't been able to create separation. But they've been doing little spurts here and there, some good things. You're thinking, okay, eventually it'll all come together. Riley will craft something. And they get to the one-yard line, and there's a false start. Sets them back to the six. They take a loss here and there, and then there's a fumble on a miss. There's a fumble. And Duke scoops it up, but Clemson gets another stop. Clemson, again, goes on another long drive. You think, okay, they fumbled once. It'll be okay. And that was the field goal miss earlier in that first long drive. This second long drive was that fumble that was on a missed handoff. And I think for Clemson, you end up on the one yard line twice. It felt like the 2022 Orange Bowl where Clemson rolled down the field. They were able to get just enough to be able to give themselves a chance to score points. I have it that they left 27 points on the board. That's two missed field goals and three red zone trips that ended in disaster. So I think for the Tigers, it is, I think for me, it really is just about the routine plays weren't made. And for Dabo and these Tigers, there's going to be a lot of talk. There's going to be a lot of conversation surrounding whether the right moves are made. Does should Clemson have attacked the transfer portal more aggressively? Should they have done this? Should they have done that? Regardless of what they should have or should not have done, the routine plays have to be made. The handoffs, at the one yard line can't be fumbled. They can't lose three of them, to be exact, and you can't have five people swarm Riley Leonard and have him escape from that bubble and score 44-yard rushing touchdown. Last night, the plays that a national championship and playoff team that we were told were cleared up were not made, and that's my big issue. A lot of these issues, however, and I just want to be positive for a second, they are extremely fixable it feels like this game for Clemson is either going to be an outlier or it's going to be something that is a detriment to the rest of their season. Now, after talking to them in the locker room, it feels like this team has the emotional maturity to be able to rebound in 18 days because they do welcome home, welcome in to their house, a very, very talented Florida State team that demolished top five LSU on Saturday. And we'll talk about them in a second and what that matchup could mean for both of their seasons. The ACC race has also gotten a lot more interesting as well. But I think for Clemson, there's fixable stuff. The field goal units, the protection, I think that can get fixed. The offensive execution in the red zone. While I say that it's fixable, there is an example from December that it clearly isn't a bug. It clearly isn't a bug. It's a feature of this team. They're able to do the right things in this part of it. In this sector, and then when they get to the important stuff, when they get to the real meat and bones, it's like when you're chewing on a rib. This is probably a really terrible analogy, but you're chewing on a rib, and you get all the way to the center, and there's some pieces of meat left here and there of the bone. They're not getting that extra savory pieces of meat. They're leaving them there on the plate for the waitress to come pick up later. That's meat you're not eating, and then you go home later two hours, you're starving. I'm thinking about smoking pig for all my Clemson fans, but... It just feels like they're doing all the right things, but when they get to the very finish line, they're not putting it all together. And I think that's what costs them. And when you play a team like Duke, who, and this is not an offense to Duke, Duke is not the best team on Clemson's schedule. They're going to be playing Florida State, Notre Dame, a sneaky good NC State team. They're going to be playing one of the Heisman favorites in UNC. And then obviously they play Florida State, who is one of the best teams, if not the best team that put on probably the best show besides Colorado in the country. And we'll talk about Colorado and execution and what that means for Deion Sanders. But this Clemson team has 18 days before they welcome Florida state. They have Charleston Southern and Florida Atlantic. These are the two weeks where all the kinks need to be worked out. If Clemson wants to have a successful season, whether that's playoffs, whether that's going to the orange bowl, winning the ACC, I'm not going to say what it is because I don't know. It feels like the Notre Dame game. It feels like the South Carolina game where This team is much better than the product that they put out on the field because there's the talent. There's the Peter Woods. There's the Barrett Carters. There's the Will Shipleys. There's the Nate Wiggins. This team, there's too much. There's too many savory ingredients that's being stirred in the pot, and then someone trips and bumps the pot onto the floor or somebody adds the wrong ingredient or just the wrong spice at the last second. It just feels a little out of sync. But these two these next upcoming games are very important and deciding what Clemson's future as not just their season, but what their program could look like as a whole, starting 2-2 two and two again for the first. The, in 2021, they started 2-2. Two and two. They could be doing that just again in 2023, but this time they said the problems that caused that were fixed. So very important for Clemson coming up. I'm sure we'll talk about it. You can catch my work and our other stuff at TigerIllustrated.com. Never a better time to be a subscriber there. Okay, now for some positive stuff. You know what I loved this weekend? I loved watching Colorado football and Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. Ever since he was hired in December, he's been a spectacle of the sport, turning it completely upside down. I think I've always been kind of split on where I stand on how he's transformed the sport and how he has, I think, 68 new scholarship players on the roster. It's very impressive to see what he's been able to churn up, because this is a team in Colorado. I watched them a couple times last year. This team was terrible. Fundamentally flawed. Execution, terrible. Players, roster, coaching staff, everything you could name. They went 1-11. It reflected in their record. Deion Sanders comes into this Power 5 school. It It's in a weird spot in the Pac-12. It's not competing. It's not being able to pull in big recruits. You bring in a guy like Deion Sanders, you bring his son, Shadur Sanders, who was phenomenal on Saturday. You bring a guy like Travis Hunter, who was potentially making himself into a Heisman candidate. I don't want to overreact because it's early, but man, is he impressive. And he was the best player for Colorado by far guys. Like I think it's Dylan Edwards. Who's really good. I didn't even understand. He had flipped from Notre Dame to Colorado, a four-star running back scored four touchdowns against TCU. I think the thing that stood out to me with, for Colorado is this is a team that looks like they're in mid season form. Usually in week one, you're working out a lot of the kinks. You're having some, Procedural penalties, you're having some false starts, some offsides. Maybe you have 12 men on the field for a punt team, just because you're not in sync, you're not in the flow of things. This is a Colorado team that they could protect Sugar Sanders. Sugar was also making phenomenal decisions with the football. His most impressive throw wasn't down the sidelines to one of his receivers. I think he had four receivers over 100 yards which shows he's able to spread the ball out and evenly distribute his guys and get them the rock and make plays. He's not solely focused on one target. His eyes are everywhere across the field surveying. I didn't know how his game would translate coming from Jackson State and HBCU, a lower division level of football, coming to Colorado, Power 5, playing against TCU. I know TCU's defense isn't this phenomenal product, but this is a team that got all the way to the national championship. They have talented players on this team, whether that was... Max Duggan and Garrett Riley making that work last year, and now we're seeing that product afterwards. TCU still wasn't a joke, and it was on the road, in the heat, in Texas. I believe it was 97, 96 degrees. They're playing every single snap. I think Travis Hunter alone played 121, 126 snaps. Colorado's protection never came apart, or was it never appeared like they were outmatched, and I think the adjustments that they made as well throughout this game, they got gashed in the run game. You know what the play that secured the win was a stop on the run against TCU. And so I think when I look at Colorado, I don't think they're going to go make the postseason and they're going to be this force to be reckoned with immediately. But it feels like it's the start of something incredibly special. And when you bring in guys like Shader Sanders, Travis Hunter, you bring in superstars, you overhaul this roster. We could see this working for other programs, but I think the guy that's responsible for all of it and Deion Sanders when you bring a unique personality like that, who his entire career has been marked by, he's arrogant, but in the sense of, I can back it up. He's always been able to do that. His talk, he, he like I said with Clemson, they've been talking all summer about how great they're going to be and how confident they are. And then they get on the field and it feels like they're unsure of themselves. Deion Sanders is never unsure of himself. He knows he's going to go out there and perform. He knows his guys can go out there and do what's needed to get done. It was so impressive to see a team really take on the identity of Dion and coach prime. I know I call him Dion Sanders or coach Sanders, and I'm going to get some angry comments because it's coach prime Grayson. But when you look at what they're able to accomplish last night or accomplish on Saturday, I was left blown away. And I think i it's almost like with people joking that we're all Detroit lions fans trying to hopefully get Dan Campbell. There's a team that's taken on the identity of his coach you're seeing that here with Colorado, and I think Colorado, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Colorado could be a force in college football in the future. I don't think it's going to happen immediately. I think this team's going to face some growing pains down the road. They play a talented Oregon team. They play a talented USC team very soon. They're going to face some challenges, but I think Dion, Pr- Coach Prime, and this program have built a culture in such a short time that it's built to be sustainable, and I'm very pumped to see where this goes. And the future of college football for them is looking very bright. Whether Dion stays or not, there's a foundation here that Colorado fans haven't had in a very long time. So if you're a Colorado fan and watching this, you got to be excited about what coach prime can bring to the table. They play Nebraska next week. That's his home opener at Colorado. Definitely going to be watching that before I take off to cover Clemson and Charleston Southern. And okay, we're going to wrap up the show by quickly touching onto Florida state and LSU Was one of the more anticipated games of the weekend. I think more so than the Colorado one, where you had number nine ranked LSU and number five ranked, or number nine ranked FSU and number five ranked LSU, excuse me, going against each other in this clash. And the game for the start felt like they were going at it at a million miles an hour. Jaden Daniels threw for 200, for 347 yards, one touchdown interception. And to his counterpart on the other side of the field, Jordan Travis. For for 342 yards, four touchdowns, and he ran for one on the ground, putting together a pretty phenomenal performance. We talked to Kurt Weiler, who works for the Osceola, which is Florida State's rival site, and said that Jordan Travis is going to be someone that's going to be in New York for a Heisman. He, he's going to be at, the Heisman campaign is already here, and he's going to be one of the finalists in New York. I'm excited about what this Florida State team is going to be able to do. Norvell has really transformed this team from people reading books uh, in the uh, open heat with our shirts off to a full sold out stadium in camping world where the cheese It bowl is played, just so y'all know. So I, I think that this is the class of the ACC. Now I I felt like I was very wrong and I'm going to own up to it. I said Clemson was a playoff team and Florida state was not quite there yet. So old takes exposed once this clip, I am fully owning up to it. I was wrong. Florida state, is the example of Florida State and Colorado on opposite sides of the country are examples of what you can do with this new age of college football. Florida State had some really solid contributors like Jaheim Bell, who is coming in from the transfer portal. They're able to utilize certain guys who are hungry, but weren't necessarily getting great playing time in other spots. They were one of the winners of the offseason. They have mastered this new world and it's paid off in a big way, getting a big win over an SEC school. How about the ACC this weekend, too? Picking up wins over South Carolina, picking up wins over LSU. So maybe it just means more. I know that's going to angry. I know. I, I know that's going to have something over there, but I just had to say it. But when you look at Florida State and you look at they have guys like Jordan Travis, Jared Verse, Johnny Wilson, who didn't even play his best game, had three drops, still was able to have. Seven catches for 104 yards, nearly averaging 15 yards a catch. So this is a Florida State team that's coming to Clemson on, I think, September 23rd. They have 18 days. Uh, Both programs have significantly different outlooks on how their season's going to go. I know Clemson still has this narrow goal of Houston in mind, but last night changed a little bit of how that's going to play out. And so now you you come in and think, okay, who's going to be favored here? Is Florida State the new class of this conference? There's a lot of questions that are going to be answered hopefully soon. But I think for this Florida State-Clemson game, it might signal the shift in power in the ACC very soon. Now, if Clemson's able to find a way to figure it out and take out Florida State, it becomes a very interesting race because of the new conference format. It's no longer separation by divisions where Clemson and Florida State were in that same division at the time but they could be able to trade blows with each other. Now, Clemson can't afford a loss anymore, so this is a little bit more significant for them in terms of the conference title race, but I'm excited to see it, and hopefully in the near future, we're going to have some answers about what this Clemson offense will look like under Garrett Riley. There's a lot of work to be done, but I think right now, Florida State is my most complete team in college football, and I was doubtful of them heading into the season. I wasn't sure about how this team could look. Maybe they were a year away, but it appears they have arrived. So, Knowles fans, you have my utmost respect, especially with that coaching staff down in Tallahassee. Guys, I hope that wasn't too quick of a man with a plan podcast episode. I have some other things to attend to and some work to take care of with uh, Clemson opening up their season in Durham with a sureful. It was a surely unforgettable loss. <laughs> uh, but guys, have a fantastic day. Take care. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the man with a plan podcast, subscribe and leave a comment. Let me know what you think about week one of college football. I'll be back very soon with some more episodes in the near future. Take care and have a great day.